Hello again after a long hiatus. I'm not officially back in full capacity, but I want to publish a few episodes here and there over the next few months. As I said in the last episode, I've been working on the Selling Jesus Project, which is now well underway with a ton of content. So please check out the website, sellingjesus.org, and you'll find enough reading material there to keep you busy for all of Christmas vacation. Also, it would mean the world to me if you would help boost the views of the first Selling Jesus video on YouTube, which is on the homepage of sellingjesus.org, and share it around. I'll be releasing the next long video in the series soon, so make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. And Selling Jesus is also a podcast, so if you'd rather listen to the articles on the website, you can do that on the podcast. There's already a ton of content on there, and we post more every week. Now, in this episode, I'm highlighting the ministry of Pioneer Bible Translators, and I'm joined by Tim McSavany, who was kind enough to share the ins and outs of his organization. My hope is that this will be helpful for those who don't know much about PBT and want to find out more, especially those who are trying to navigate the differences between all the different Bible translation orgs and decide who to join. Tim is married to Aaron, and they have four kids, and they've served with PBT since 2008. They currently live in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm Andrew Case, and you're listening to Working for the Word. I've been translating for quite a while now. So I joined my organization, Pioneer Bible Translators, back in 2007. That's when we did our graduate school. Um, You know, first we were doing undergrad at a Bible college. And one of the things that we'll talk about a little bit is the Christian church, which is kind of like where the Pioneer Bible Translators comes from. And so we've got like colleges that are part of our brotherhood, I guess. And so Johnson Bible College, which is Johnson University now in Knoxville, is where we did our undergrad, and then when we joined the org, and then moved our way down to uh, to Dallas, and then went to the Graduate Institute of Applied Linguistics, which is now Dallas International University. So that's where we did our master's degree. We, My wife and I both finished our master's degrees there. We were about to head overseas, had a baby with cleft palate, so we hung around for a little while, and then we uh, finally left to go to Tanzania in 2012. And so we were living there doing translation for seven years. I uh, had two more kids. Our number three ended up with a life-threatening nut allergy. So we decided to come back from the field to keep him safe. And now I go back to Tanzania three times a year to continue with a project that I have working on there. And uh, I've got a new project. And so now I've actually got two translation projects, which is pretty rare in our org. But, uh, but I have another one with Congolese refugees called the Banya Malenge here in Louisville, Kentucky. Great. So what's your role in these translation projects? Are you like a coordinator, exegete, consultant? Yeah, so we call ourselves facilitators, but but really I think that out of those three, exegete is probably the one that's closest. So I'm the one who knows the biblical languages. I'm the one who kind of also facilitates the project, like, uh, you know, make sure that everybody's hired well and that we've got the right training for our translators and for uh, my coworkers, kind of the point man to, to make everything run. Also, as far as funding, I'm sometimes 
looking around for funding for our projects if they need it, which is especially true for one of the states because it's a lot more expensive than the Tanzania one. Right. So for those that don't know Pioneer Bible Translators, what do you guys do and what makes you distinct? Yeah, I'd love to talk about that because... You know, I don't know how everybody feels about their organizations, but man, I just love being a part of PBT. It's just a really great organization for me. And in, in, in my opinion, it's a real gem. Uh, you know, when I joined back in 2007, it was pretty small, 200 full-time missionaries. All of our whole offices was just a triple wide trailer that was on the campus of GIAL. So we were there in Dallas, kind of under the radar a little bit for, for Bible translation organizations, I would say, because we were uh, pretty small and uh, running kind of a shoestring budget. But uh, nowadays, we've been growing a lot, and the number's more like 700. Of course, we're still small compared to the big players, but right. uh, but we kind of are in the middle right now, I think, of being like having that small-town org feel where you kind of know every single person. Uh, and then now we've got all this growth, and so there's a lot of new people, but the culture is still really cohesive and really fun, actually. And I would say, too, that like our leadership, even though we're bigger now, our leadership is still really accessible. The president of our organization, his name's Greg Pruitt, he came here to Louisville to visit the church because Southeast was given a big gift, and, uh, and he came to visit our project. So he stayed at my house, and my five-year-old piled a bunch of stuffies on him, you know, and we talked late into the night. I feel really good about the leaders that we have because they're our friends. You know, they're very reasonable, down-to-earth kinds of people. And Greg himself was a translator for, you know, 15 years in West Africa. So he knows a lot about the things that we go through, all the kinds of, you know, trauma that Bible translators experience. <laughs> it's not like it's a very easy job. So uh, I, I really appreciate that from the org, that they, uh, they're they really grounded in the work that we do. Um, and also, you know, being small kind of has some other advantages too. I feel like the organization is pretty nimble. You know, we're able to change policies without too much drama. Sometimes like the bigger org, bigger orgs can make some kind of like colossal mistake and we can like avoid those mistakes because <laughs> we're able to see those things coming or maybe we can uh, manage things a little bit easier because of our size. We also have a really cohesive structure. So most of what's going on in PBT, like I know about, I'm able to access all that stuff and and all the people that are in the organization. While I don't literally know everybody now, like I did, you know, maybe 15 years ago or whatever, still, whenever I meet somebody who's part of like our little tribe, as it were, I feel like they're my people and uh, and we can get along. We've got a lot of the same values. We all kind of have the same methodologies and uh, and it's so it's, it ends up being like a like a family, really, in a lot of ways. And I think that some people who have lived overseas, maybe on a mission team, they may know what this is like. When when you're overseas and you're like way off of the time zone of where your family is, like your biological family, sometimes it's a little bit hard to stay in contact with them. And then you end up bonding really well with your team. And that's what it was like for us in Tanzania. Man, our team, we were blood brothers, right? We were so close to each other. In some ways, we were closer even than our own families because we were there for each other. And even though we came from, you know, various disparate backgrounds, maybe we all had a lot in common because we all shared the same kinds of, you know, somewhat negative experiences, which come from living overseas, which can be pretty hard. Uh, we were bonding really closely because of that. And, you know, I made some of the best friends in my life uh, during that time. Yeah, that's great. Is there anything else? Yeah, you know, I think that there is another thing I should say, too, is that strategically, PBT kind of has uh, maybe a little bit of a different focus than some of the other orgs. Uh, one of the things that we focus on is 
a specific translation need, which is people who not only don't have the Bible, but also don't have thriving churches in their language group. And so we're considering that this group of people is maybe the ones who have the most extreme spiritual poverty in the world. And so we tend to focus on those organizations or those, uh, those language mm. groups as an organization. Um, and so because of that, we're sometimes working in some pretty difficult places some pretty out of the way places or sometimes even scary places. Uh, but we feel like that's kind of like our mandate as an organization because one of the major aspects of our ministry is church planting. You know, some other organizations might be focusing specifically on Bible translation, but we are doing basically three things. We care a lot about Bible translation, a lot about church planting, and a lot about literacy. And those are the three things that, that most of our translators and a lot of our resources are focused towards. And uh, so because of that, we end up having maybe a, maybe a special niche within the Bible translation community to interact with certain communities, maybe on a different level. You know, we love Wycliffe SIL folks. We came kind of from that place. I can talk more about the history later, but we love working in tandem with them. And in Tanzania, we definitely do. But we have this kind of like special place that that we're working in that sometimes if we're in the same country, we can focus on the kinds of places where it's a little harder for them to work. And because they've got a lot more resources than us, they can they can take care of all of the other stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that, that you guys had a, a strong focus on church planting, which is unique. Yeah, I think so. You know, we love Cameron Townsend, but we also love Don McGavern. So there's like a kind of, and, and also Eugene Nida. So like we're taking it's McGavern, it's Nida, and it's Cameron Townsend, and we're like bringing all of those ideas together and make one org out of these three luminaries. Maybe that's the idea. So that sounds similar to Ethnos 360 as well. Would you say that's correct, that they ha- have a similar that that kind of true. approach? Yeah, although you have to remind me, did they change their name? Were they used to be something else? Yeah, New Tribes. Yeah, that's the one, New Tribes, yeah. Now, typically, a church planning organization will have some more, I guess, unification across as far as like denominationally speaking. Uh, Is that the case with you guys? Are you more centered in a particular denomination or theological understanding? Yeah, it's a really great question, actually, because I do think that why we do what we do comes out of that. And but I think I'm going to answer the question a little bit differently from from maybe the answer that that you're looking for, because yes, I'll start with this. PBT kind of started, okay, so it was like mid-70s, a guy named Al Hamilton talked to Wycliffe, and he said, the people from our brotherhood, that's like the restoration movement. Now, is that a term that you're familiar with? No. Okay, so I'll, 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 I'll back up just a little bit more. Probably a lot of other people won't be familiar with it. I think it, yeah. so too, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. You know, when you grow up in it, you're just like, surely everybody knows about this, but then you find out that actually nobody knows about you. So <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about this. So if okay. you've ever seen a church that's just called... Christian church, or actually the ones that are more famous, maybe because they're a little weirder, is the Church of Christ that are non-instrumental. Okay, yes. Those two denominations, and then also the Disciples of Christ, those three denominations all came from a certain kind of movement, which was called the Restoration Movement back in the early 1800s. And the whole idea of the Restoration Movement was to, ironically, kind of bridge the gap between all denominations. And the idea was that... Hmm. There are Christians in all denominations and that we shouldn't try to disfellowship from people because they disagree with us on one or another of a non-salvific kind of issue. Like if you have 
mere Christianity in common, as it were. You know, it's like if you've got Jesus in common, then you can get along with people, even if they don't do some of the weird things that one denomination or another denomination might happen to do. And our denomination does a few things that are unusual, different from other ones. I think that people, if they do know us, they might consider that some of the things that we do that's a little different is that we tend to have communion every week. We tend to put like a lot of emphasis on baptism. We care about baptisms a lot. We tend to we tend to be Arminian instead of Reformed. And we tend to have a really high view of the Bible. And so because of those things, along with the idea of kind of bridging denominational gaps, I think that those kind of like parts of the DNA of the Christian church kind of came through when Al Hamilton, the guy who started PBT, talked to Wycliffe and he was like, you know, we believe things a little bit differently than some of the ways that Wycliffe people believe. So what do you guys think? Should we just join you guys and be like a little bit of a different group within your organization? Or maybe we should start like a sister organization with you guys. And apparently the wisdom at the time, it was like 1975, 1976, was start a new org and then like be close like sister orgs uh, together. And that's what we've been doing ever since. Um, it's been working really well. Uh, I think that the relationships that I have with my SIL colleagues who are in Tanzania is really strong. They taught me how to do survey. They uh, they help us with resources on occasion. And we work together with them talking about like which language groups. Because Tanzania has got 130 languages, so it was a big job. Um, and we can work together with them. And we've always had really great relationship with uh, with SIL because we kind of... We came from the same kind of place, even though denominationally, maybe things were a little bit different. So I don't know. Sometimes it seems a bit paradoxical. We're just like, no denominations. And so well, let's make a denomination about it. But I do think that <laughs> <laughs> our, the hearts of all of those people was probably in the right place. And we ended up here with an organization that at least has its roots in the Christian church and the church of Christ. Now, that being said, these days, things are a little bit different. And in fact, in the 15 years or so that I've been a part of the org, things have changed quite a bit. At the time, basically everybody was from the Christian church. All of the recruiting was done through Christian church and church of Christ colleges and schools, you know, like the church of Christ schools like Lipscomb and Abilene. And then Christian church has a number of schools like Johnson and Lincoln, Kentucky and Ozark and Cincinnati and Florida. There's a few that like all of our people know that are like schools kind of in our brotherhood. That's where they were doing all their recruiting. But nowadays things are really different. And uh, I don't think that really anybody in PBT now would say like, we're like, a one denomination organization, like, like I assume like Lutheran Bible translators is or something like that. Um, instead, we're like, we have a history in this, but now I'm on a team of six people and I'm the only one who is like a, from a Christian church, as it were. Uh, the rest of them are from various churches around. And of course, when we're working in Africa, almost everybody's Pentecostal and there's no uh, Christian church to speak of. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, things, things are a little bit different there too. Interesting. So yeah, I'm learning a lot here. So I don't know what the distribution of different denominational convictions was back in the 70s across Wycliffe as an organization. I tend to think there probably were some a lot of Dutch Reformed, but I don't know. Was it maybe the a higher concentration of Reformed conviction within Wycliffe that caused a little tension there? Or was it something else, do you think? Well, you know... All that stuff is before my time for sure. But I I do think that probably like Calvinism versus Arminianism was probably at the forefront. You know, one of the things that the Christian church does is because they have a really 
this really strong view of the integrity of the Bible and how important it is. They read it in a very specific way. And in fact, sometimes <clears throat> you might hear people talk about blueprint theology in, especially in the Church of Christ. And the idea is that like anything that the New Testament church did in Acts, that's the kind of thing that we want to do. And so we try to like get rid of all the tradition and just instead focus on whatever it says in Acts. And we've got certain verses that, you know, we, we care about a lot. You know, if you read, if you hear about any Christian church or Church of Christ people, they're always talking about Acts chapter 2, you know, 238. We want to we want to talk about repenting and being baptized. We want to talk about devoting yourselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. The things that we care about are those kinds of things like above a lot of what other churches maybe are focusing on. And it, sometimes I think that while we can fellowship with other folks, sometimes, I don't know, it, it's kind of sounding like we're like really strange. I don't know if we're so strange, but we do have some ideas that, you know, I, I maybe every denomination's like this. All denominations have their strange points. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think so. Well, that's helpful. So what else do we need to know about the history of PBT? Anything else? Well, I guess I can say just a couple more things. We have basically, because we're so much smaller than the bigger organizations, we tend to focus on specific countries. So we've got three major branches. One is Papua New Guinea, one is Guinea in West Africa, and one is Tanzania. Now we've got a lot more stuff going on, but those were kind of like our three major branches. And I would say maybe 70% of all PBT workers were working in one of those three countries. Now, nowadays things are a little bit different. We're working in a lot of other places, at least for the first big part of the life of the org, we were doing that. Yeah. Do you guys often get confused with pioneers? <laughs> oh yeah. In fact, I think that pioneers, which is a mission organization based in Florida, I think that they also started in exactly 1976, the same year that we did. And so a lot of people are just like, oh, pioneers. Yeah, I've heard of you guys. And we're like, actually, we're not those guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that okay. happens a lot. All right. Interesting. So you guys have your headquarters in Dallas. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So okay. if anybody knows about that school, DIU, we're literally just across the street from there. We used to have our building on the campus, and then we bought the plot that was across the way. And so now we've got a few big buildings over there. Gotcha. Okay, so don't go to Florida, go to Dallas. <laughs> if you want to see us. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. If someone were looking to join a BT org, how and why would you recommend? You've talked about some of these things so far, but I don't know if there's anything else that you would say to recommend PBT to them as, uh, as their choice amongst all the... Many others. <laughs> sure, yeah. You know, I know that your listeners have a lot of choices out there, but no, no. I think that, you know, sometimes in our org, we tend to make the joke that PBT stands for party big time. And it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> but I do think that our organization has kind of like maybe a bit of a freewheeling spirit. Like the, the people that are in our org are are just funny and joyous and laid back. I don't know. Some of that comes from the top. You know, you if you have a leader mm. who's like really chill and kind of like sardonic and self-critical, then maybe the whole organization kind of takes on the character of its leaders. And Greg is certainly like that. So maybe okay. that's, uh, that's one thing that you could say about it. But I do think that like the timbre of the org, like when I get with groups of our people, we have a great time. You know, we're very cognizant of the fact that Maybe we're out of touch. Maybe we're total nerds. Maybe the things that we care about are not the things that other people care about, but it doesn't stress us out. We have a great time. And so if people are looking for like a community, then I think that 
PBT sometimes can fill that role because we're small and we're really closely, like tightly knit. And we do have in our DNA, like I was saying, this, this goal of changing people, like transforming people's lives, transformed lives through God's word in every language that involves a lot of church planning. So if people are interested in Bible translation, not necessarily as, you know, like a, like an academic work, but instead as like, if you care about the Bible in the way that like the Bible changed my heart. And so I want to employ that same like heart changing mechanic, like to other people, that's, mm-hmm. that's deep inside the org, I think. So I don't know. I think yeah. that one of the things that PPT does is that we've got kind of in the org, a lot of people who are just Bible translators, you know, the kind of way that Bible translators are. Maybe you join a Bible translation organization because you love the idea of being a missionary, but maybe you hate people. Like you don't like to talk to people or you don't like to be around people. So you can just like work on your text and like not have to evangelize. Maybe, I don't know if anybody feels that way, but in our org, we've got some people like that. And then we've got like a lot of scripture impact is what we call it. Scripture impact people who are working alongside of us to help us along. So if some people are feeling the way that I just described, well, there's a place in PBT for that. And if some people are feeling like, well, I don't know anything about Bible translation, but I do love the idea of getting text in a heart language to people, then that's another avenue to serve in PBT. Mm. Yeah. So you you mentioned the three things you guys are passionate about, church planning being one of them. How does that work? Do you When you join PBT, do you, do you just say, okay, I want to focus on church planning, but I'm not I'm not cut out to be a Bible translator, so I want to work on a team. So I'm focused mainly on the church plant, and then somebody else is focused on the scripture. Is that how that would work? Or yeah, do you, exactly are you required to? Okay. Yeah, you know, PBT, we've got some, I don't know, fairly stringent uh, training requirements. Um, you know, I mentioned that we got our master's degree, and it's because PBT required for us to be Bible translators basically one semester short of a master's degree. And so we decided to just go ahead and finish that. Well, if you want to join the org and be a scripture impact person, well, you have an entirely different track of training. That's also really rigorous. I don't know. Sometimes, I don't know. I might even think that we overtrain a little bit because it's it's mm-hmm. like, you know, a year and a half, two years of work before you get on the field. Sometimes that could be a pretty heavy lift for people, especially like non-traditional folks who are like not just coming out of college, but like just want to join in a ministry. Sometimes that can be a little bit of a, of a lift, but... But in general, we feel like the training is really important and we want people to be out there with all the tools that we need. And so there's different tracks for, and then also literacy is the same way that, uh, that literacy workers have their own special track. Okay. So yeah, that would be another great thing for if, if someone is very interested in church planting or a more holistic approach, you guys would be a go-to organization. I think so. Um, and maybe one more thing, one more thing I can mention too, is that just recently PPT has been getting a lot into deaf ministry. I think that deaf Bible translation is maybe a little bit of a new thing for Bible translation orgs in general. And PPT is really dove right into that. So um, we've got a pretty robust, for our organization anyway, uh, deaf ministry focus. Uh, and we've got a lot of things working on that avenue as well, not just obviously for English, but like, or for American Sign Language, but in Tanzania, where I was working, we have a full-time worker who is translating the Bible into Tanzanian Sign Language. Okay, awesome. As far as orality, are you guys also 
increasing your focus on oral Bible translation? You know, I think that to the extent that we can, we are. But uh, in one of the ways I think that we struggle as an organization is because we don't have all the resources that somebody like Wycliffe does. It can be a little bit harder for us to to do things that we don't have a lot of experience in. In some of the countries where we work, we're doing those things. And I think that for at least us in Tanzania, which I can speak to the most, we focus a lot on audio scriptures, but uh, we don't tend to use like audio methods of translation. We tend to, to, to focus on written translation and then put those things into audio formats. Actually, we found in Tanzania that the audio scriptures that we make are almost universally used more than the written stuff anyway. And so that we focus on that. Even in the project that I have here, the Diaspora Project, even though we're quite new, one of the first things that we're doing, we're going to finish the Jesus film before we even publish Luke because uh, we got the Jesus film coming up in just a couple months. And uh, Luke is probably not going to be finished until uh, till the end of the year. Cool. Do you guys also do some of the, the other media so I'm thinking Luma Project and other stuff like that, or you focus mainly on Jesus film? For now, I've only seen the Jesus film for our org. Um, I, okay. I s- reached out to the Luma guys because they had like these amazing videos that I thought were really good and I wanted to utilize them, but I didn't get a lot of headway with them just yet. But I don't know, I'm not closing mm-hmm. the door on that just yet. One of the things okay. too that maybe comes from, I don't know, I guess I should say one more thing about the Christian church is that one thing that we really care about too is not having any kind of hierarchical structures in the in the church and also even like parachurch organizations are sometimes kind of looked at askance a little bit. Uh, but because of that, we end up in this place where a lot of the missionaries are quite independent. And you know, the the project that you're doing, you have a lot of freedom to do the things that you find are valuable for your context. And uh, we okay. don't really have a top-down kind of strategy for how we work in each individual country. We've got you know leadership in that country that's that's uh, directing things. But because of that, you end up having a lot of individual missionaries kind of being involved in the things that they think are going to be most valuable for their project. So I wouldn't say that like PBD doesn't do any of that stuff. It's just that like I don't know about it because I haven't been working in those things. But I think that some of our other branches almost certainly are. Yeah, yeah. So you don't run your organization like a corporation. Uh, no, I like would a, say we're like really far from that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's nice. That's nice to hear. I appreciate that. So this is this is interesting. You guys you said you're focused in Guinea, PNG, and where else? Tanzania. And Tanzania, yeah. Okay. Do you have any idea why you ended up focused on those places? Well, as far as I can tell, the reason that we were in Papua New Guinea is because the need was so great there. And when we talked to Wycliffe, that was like, it was kind of a natural place to land. And if I remember right, I think that Papua New Guinea maybe was the first branch that we had. The Tanzania branch came about because of some unusual things. Some folks were wanting to join the org, they wanted to work in Africa, and they ended up settling in Zaire, which, of course, it's the Congo now, but at the time was Zaire, and after a little while, Mobutu kicked them out, and then they ended up landing in Tanzania, And but they still called their branch the East Africa branch because it was their dream to get back to the Congo sometime, but there was a... There was a big time, amount of time when you couldn't work in the Congo at all. It was just too dangerous. And even now it's fairly dangerous in the places where they want to be. But somehow we managed to get back there in a very roundabout way through this diaspora project. And that's another thing that's a bit new 
maybe for Bible translation organizations. I remember we started this project about a couple of years ago, and I had a lot of people, even from SIL, who were asking me, talking to me about like, hey, how are you doing this? Can you tell us more about this? Because it sounded like they wanted to be more involved in diaspora themselves. And so uh, I think nowadays they've got a lot of projects starting just in the just this year, maybe four uh, different diaspora projects. Mm. But that's another thing that's a bit, uh, I don't know, a bit pioneering, as it were. That's great. Well, uh, you mentioned training. So if somebody wanted to join you guys, do they do their training all through you? Do you have your own training program, facility, all that kind of thing? Or do they need to mix and match with like Wycliffe's training at DIU or other things? Well, I think that it is both of those things. Like we have our own training kind of like schedule, but that schedule itself involves a lot of DIU and the kinds of things that that Wycliffe can offer us. Now, we teach a lot of courses, like PBT teaches courses through Johnson University and a few other schools to help people with especially the undergrad parts. Um, And in fact, my wife is, uh, she teaches undergrad and she teaches a grad level course through that uh, program. Mm. But then depending on which track you're doing, especially the Bible translation track has a lot of DIU courses as well. Let's dive into this question. What are some of the future goals for pioneers, pioneer Bible translators, and how are they seeking to innovate? Is there any anything, are you maybe trying to branch out more to certain areas, certain countries? or try new methodologies, anything like that? So I would say that we as an organization, because we just don't have like a lot of the heft of the other ones, we have tried to find our niche in these Bibleless and churchless people groups. And the goal that we have is having 250 projects. We've got about 110 right now. So our goal is 250 projects in total for our organization to uh, to reach uh, the the number which I think it should be just be around 300 and then with all of the other Bible agencies and part of that forum of Bible agencies or whatever then we'll be doing our part and so we've got that direct goal and that's the one that we're that we're trying to fulfill so when that comes mm-hmm. to where to work we think about those kinds of people the people where, uh, they might fit into the place that we're the most, maybe the the most able to interact with those kinds of communities, and those are the ones that we're focusing on. Gotcha. Well, great. Now, yeah, tell us how you can how people can be praying for your organization these days. Uh, yeah. So, you know, one of the things I don't know if I mentioned it or not. I feel like it's funny because we say prayer is our strategy. It's something that we care a lot about, but it's also sometimes something I feel a little bit self-conscious saying because it's not that like we have a monopoly on prayer or anything, but it is true that prayer is just such a really important part of our organization and such a part of the DNA of what we do. Um, and so we're always praying for God's direction and God's wisdom, and God's power and God's love just permeate everything that we're doing. We want to go where God leads us and not not base something on uh, something outside of that. And so if we can receive direction from God and move in those directions, that's the thing that we want the most. That's what's going to make us happy. So people who want to pray for us, just pray for God to lead us and for us to be wise in the choices that we make, you know, with the limited resources that we have to find the right places, to work with the right people, 
and, and to let the spirit move in a way that can, can really impact people uh, for the kingdom. And if people are feeling like they're like-minded in this sort of thing, then we want to bring them along with us. You know, we've got a bus and we've got lots of seats on that bus. We want to bring people along with us. We're, uh, we're asking for prayer to grow and for prayer to, uh, to really, you know, do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do, I guess. Yeah. Well, great. Now, what would be the first step if somebody has heard this and they want to join, or they're more serious about wanting to join you guys? What would be the first step? Well, I would say there's probably two things that they can do. If they want to talk to me, I'm ready. I would talk to anybody. I'm very happy about that. So just, you know, maybe we'll put my email on the uh, on the notes on the podcast or whatever. If they just want to reach out to me, uh, that's fine. But we also have a recruiting department. And so uh, you can just look at pioneerbible.org and you can you can find a way to uh, to contact the recruiting. You'll probably get with Nathan or some of the other guys who are in that department. And, uh, and I'm sure that they can uh, steer people in the right direction. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. This has been great. I think it'll be super helpful to a lot of people who maybe don't really know much about you guys and or are looking for a more holistic Bible translation organization. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's my joy. Like I said before, man, I love my organization. I just feel like I hit the jackpot. Sometimes, I don't know, maybe you get this too, where some people say, ah, being a missionary is so hard you know you give up so much such a sacrifice i don't feel that way at all i'm just like i love this my job is great every day i'm doing something that is amazing i feel like i'm changing the world and i get to do it with a bunch of great people so you know that's awesome we uh, we feel great about it we feel great about our work 